uh, step in for each other. So let me ask you a question. Would you like to be given $1 million? Raise your hand. Tax-free, no strings attached, okay? None. Like it just shows up in your bank account and nobody cares, okay? Most likely, uh, won't happen, uh, especially if you're asking me for it. Um, but it seems like an obvious answer, right, that somebody would just give it to you. And you, you, say, you would say yes. You wouldn't make anything up. You would say yes. Um, <clears throat> here's another one. How would you like to have a piece of chocolate to enjoy during the rest of the message today? Amen. See? Okay. A little more doable, right? Um, and, and a, again, a pretty obvious answer, okay, because chocolate is good. All the time. Okay? So chances of this happening are higher, but, but will it happen? That's the, that's the actual question. Today, uh, we continue our face-to-face talk. And in the passage that we look at today, Jesus is asking a question of a man, and it seems to have the very most obvious answer possible. But was the answer obvious? Yes, uh, to you and me, but maybe not. Because possibly the reason Jesus asked, and hopefully we find out by the end of the day, and and yes, he asked on purpose. This one specific person, he asked them a very obvious question. And yes, I know that it was cruel to ask you if you wanted a piece of chocolate today during church. Because that's really all you're thinking about today, right now, isn't it? So if I could have a couple of ushers come and help me, um, I'm going to take care of you. This is not communion. It's just a gift. And uh, if you could just take one, I know it's hard, but just take one. And uh, if there's extras, then I'll eat it all week long. Okay? Oh, this is my favorite song when we're eating chocolate. I like chocolate. Yes. Raise your hand if you like like chocolate. It's coming. Chocolate ice cream, chocolate cake with chocolate frosting, okay. chocolate milk with chocolate cereal. All right, let's chocolate move on. Cupcake, chocolate <clears throat> You're welcome. No, I don't do the chocolate dance. Uh, as a kids pastor at camp, that's how we get chocolate to the kids. They have to earn it. I spared you uh, and myself from actually having to dance for our chocolate today. So um, let's move on to something that actually might get us somewhere, um, and it won't end in another piece of chocolate, sorry. Uh, It's something that we all have already, that we offer often, most likely. Something as a parent, if you have kids, you have heard repeatedly, okay? Something as a coach, if you've ever coached anything, and as a coach, I've heard some of these, and they're very creative They're very well thought out. Some of them aren't, and that's even worse. Uh, And something that's been um, explained in very different ways to all of us. Like, here's one way, that uh, these are just like armpits. All right? We've talked about chocolate and armpits today. They're just like armpits. Everyone has a couple, and they all stink. We're talking about excuses, right? Everybody offers an excuse 
here and there for different things. And um, every question has an answer, right? Whether we choose to answer it or not, every question has an answer. And many of the answers that we use, they're excuses, depending on the content and what the question is. Not, an ex- not that an excuse is not an answer. It is. Um, usually doesn't get you very far. But how many times when you, ask, when you ask the question, do you hope that someone gives you an excuse? You would just rather the regular answer, right? How many times when you're asked a question, do you answer with an excuse? Maybe more often than we should, right? Funny thing is, the excuse, an excuse is an answer, but it never seems to be the correct answer. And that's what we're going to be looking at today. Today, we see Jesus ask a man a very simple question. And it seems to have the most obvious answer to you and I, like I said, but we got an excuse instead. Turn to in your scriptures to John chapter 5. In, in the book of John, he, uh, it's the fourth book of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John chapter 5, and we'll be in verse 1. And leading up to this point in the scripture, <clears throat> in John's gospel, Jesus is changing lives, okay? It's what he's doing. He had just had this face-to-face interaction in chapter 4. He had a in, uh, face-to-face interaction with uh, the woman at the well. We talked about that two weeks ago. And she had, uh, by the end of that, she had an encounter with Jesus that changed her life. And by the end, most of the rest of her town believed in Jesus too. And he spent time up in his homeland, up there in the north, uh, up in Galilee. And um, he comes face to face with another man who has a very sick boy. And Jesus heals the boy remotely. Doesn't even need to go and touch him or pray over him or anything. He just heals the boy. And... John tells us that because of that healing, that their whole household believed in Jesus. So the fact of the matter is, encounters with Jesus change lives. And John tells us that um, here in chapter 5 is where we we line up. And so let's read just the first probably nine verses or so of chapter 5, starting in verse 1. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now, there was in Jerusalem, near the Sheep Gate, a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here, a great number of disabled people. Some of your translations might say a multitude. So, we're just thinking a huge amount of people, okay? Here, a great number of of disabled people used to lie under those colonnades. The blind, the lame, the paralyzed... And one who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there, he learned that he had been there, had been in his condition for a long time. And he asked him, and here's our question, do you want to get well? Well, sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. And Jesus said to him, get up. Pick up your mat and walk. And at once the man was cured. So, <clears throat> do you want to get well? That's a pretty obvious answer, Jesus, right? A yes or no question, really. But the answer that was given was far from yes or no, it was an excuse 
And in full transparency today, this is our question too. Do you, do I want to get well? Well, what we know, here's, here's what we know about this man that Jesus is talking to at the pool of Bethesda. Okay? The man is lame. Okay? He's paralyzed. He, not, he cannot walk for whatever reason. Uh, doesn't really specify. John doesn't tell us why. But if you watch the Chosen series, okay, and you can watch the Chosen series if you come on Wednesday nights. Uh, we, there, our Bible, our Dub Bible study is doing a, a, a session on the Chosen, and they, they watch some pieces of it, and then they answer questions and talk and discuss. So come and watch the Chosen on Wednesday nights, 7 o'clock. But if you watch the Chosen, you'll, you'll find out that, um, that, that their opinion was he fell out of a tree, and he was paralyzed for life. Um, we don't know. That was a little um, theatric license, and that's okay. Okay, because when we don't know, that's what we do. When we don't know something, what do we do? We fill in the blanks. And sometimes it's a good thing, and sometimes it's not. Ask Facebook, all right? So if, if uh, but for whatever reason, this man who doesn't have a name, he cannot walk. The man had been this way for a long time. Um, how many of you are 38 years old currently? How about 38 and older? We'll just say 38 and older, my hand's up, Okay. So <clears throat> this man had been able to walk for 38 years, most if not all of your life. Think about that if you're 38 years old, being able to have to deal with that. And so um, you, you, you think it's so defeating, right? It, it would be to have to rely on someone else to do things for you all the time. It would be, it would be so hard. I'm, I'm terrible at that. I want to just, I'll just do it myself, okay? I'll just do it myself. You don't want to rely on anyone. This man, he did not leave, he didn't have anyone to help him. That's what we find out. He had no one to help him. The family wasn't around. I don't know if he had a family or not. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't. Maybe that's how he, friends didn't have any. Somehow he got to the pool, so maybe just a good Samaritan, um, which is a reference to some other story, but maybe just some ni someone nice. Helped him there because that's what they thought was the best thing for him. But that, that person wasn't around either. So Jesus is back in town. That's what we learned. If you remember in chapter 4, um, the disciples were headed toward, they, him and the disciples, they were headed towards home. And they go up through Samaria. And they have this encounter with the woman at the well. And then he goes and hangs out at home for a while. And it says, uh, how do I know it was a long time? It was a while. Well, John tells us, sometime later. So they spend some time in, in the homeland, and they make their way back to Jerusalem for one of the many festivals that were held there. And Jesus has, a, um, he has an encounter, and he finds his way to the pool of Bethesda. Now, this pool had some um, healing powers, many thought. And so they were all hanging out, all these people that were sick or ailing or were paralyzed, whatever the case, the lame, the, the blind, you name it, they believed that when the, 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 the water started to bubble, that the first person that got in would be healed. And I don't know if they had any proof of that. And they believed that there was some healing powers in that water. And so he, Jesus finds his way to this pool. It's near the Sheep's Gate in Jerusalem, a very specific detail uh, included by John, which is rare because John is not the ultimate uh, detail giver. Luke, in the gospel before John, um, he's the detail guy, right? 
But John gives us just one detail and explains how Jesus' time on earth, it was very real. He's a part of history. You can go to that spot today at the Pool of Bethesda, right here where John chapter 5 talks about it. The detail is just one more specific thing that solidifies that the Son of God was here on earth. Because it just mingles in and out of true, regu- <clears throat> excuse me, regular history. The man is at the pool, and Jesus comes to be face to face with him. And here, in in as he comes face to face, he comes. The man actually has to come face to face with his excuses or his reasons, if that feels better to you. As Jesus enters the scene. Uh, I've said this before, the detail in the Bible um, is great, right? And very specific in some places. I've pointed out some very specific detail already about the sheep's gate and where it's at and what, what the Pool of Bethesda looks like. We read that in Scripture. But all of the detail in that Scripture uh, in our Bibles cannot express one thing for us. What is it? It's the smell. We cannot smell the environment's in scripture and that's probably a good thing imagine when jesus walked into that pool area you can only imagine the smell and they were obsessed with being clean both spiritually and physically because they thought it was the same thing and all these sick people with all their different ailments it was hot most of the time right there was no bathroom so even if, they, if there was, how could they get there? Many of them couldn't make it, right? They were sick and, and hurting. So the smell must have been bad. But Jesus goes there, and he seeks out, and he appears on the scene, and he sees, we see something very interesting in this encounter with the man that's paralyzed. In verse 6, John tells us Jesus saw the paralyzed man, and he learned it had been 38 years. Jesus learned. It's very interesting to me because it's God in a body, right? Jesus knew everything. But yet he learned that the man had been there for 38 years. And um, while John is, uh, said Jesus learned, I really feel like he's including this so we all could learn how long he'd been there. And the disciples learned how long he had been there and um, how much he had to endure. So um, I believe Jesus knew exactly how long the man had been there, why he was paralyzed, and, um, and why nobody was there to help him out. And it's possible that the man is in the exact, he is, is uh, that this man, it's not even possible, it's what I believe, it's the, he's the exact reason that Jesus came down to Jerusalem for that festival and then goes to the pool of Bethesda and seeks him out. Because he needed, he sought him out because he wanted to have a face-to-face with him. But you know who didn't know all along? It was John, the disciples. But now he does. 38 years. And the question is the simplest one ever. Do you want to get well? Again, a yes or no type question. But that's not what was offered today. And I think about, think about what your reply would have been. Uh, do you want to get well? Well, you've been paralyzed You've been chronic pain. You've had um, something affecting you for 38 years that you have to rely on everybody else to do. 
things for you. How, and so um, have, you, have you been at this pool for, you've been at this pool for who knows how long, and you've lived a life uh, out of the mercy of other people because they're taking care of you good? So uh, yeah, Jesus, I want to get well. I want to get out of here. I want to go and be on my feet and do things. But he does, Jesus didn't even give a sarcastic, yeah, yeah, of course I do, Jesus. Let's go. What do you say? No, the guy, um, he just says in verse 7, I have no one to help me get into the pool. He's alone. He's helpless. And he's been there nearly all his life, if not his whole life. And now this excuse is not untrue, right? He did not have anybody to help him. The man, but that answer I don't think is what the Jesus was searching for. Nevertheless, Jesus did what he came to do. He healed the man. And for the first time in 38 years, he got this man got up and he walked out of the pool, that pool area, probably stepping over people just like Jesus did to get to him. Excuse me, sir. Pardon me. Sorry. You know, but he didn't stop and say, hey, you, mind, you want me to help you get in? Next time, no, he didn't do that. Those things, um, the, the man, he comes face to face with his excuse, right? Those things that he dwelt on his whole life saying, I got nothing. I can't even get in to help myself. But instead of giving Jesus a straight answer, he shares his lack of hope with Jesus. And he shares that his reliance only on what he can accomplish. Instead of giving Jesus the answer, the, the answer that he, the realistic answer he needs, right? He gives the excuse instead. I have nobody to help me. I can't do it. The end result, regardless of the answer, is healing. Jesus heals the guy. And a face-to-face encounter with Jesus, yet again, changes a person's life. Today, Jesus is asking you, he's asking me, do you want to get well? Our lives, we're paralyzed by a multitude of issues. And Jesus is asking us, do we want to be made well? Do we want to be able to get up and get out of that because of what he can do for us? And what do we do? How do we answer? Because the obvious answer is, yes, Lord, I want to be well. I don't want to be a part of this anymore. I want the sin gone. I want this decision gone, whatever the case is. The answer is yes. The obvious path to having peace in Jesus Christ is allowing him just to prune all the garbage in our life and get rid of it and rely on him and him alone, right? And surrender our whole heart. Surrender our behaviors. Surrender our words. And surrendering the the paralyzing issue that we deal with day in and day out. Because that is when healing happens. But instead of the obvious answer, we bring excuses, don't we? Oh, God, no worries, okay? You go ahead and you cure cancer and you take care of famines. I got this one. I'm good. I don't need your help right now. I'll figure it out on my own. That's an excuse that we can use, one that you might use sometimes. You just, I'll just handle it on my own. I don't need to worry about it. I can't surrender this issue to you, God. I have to act that way to get what I need. You ever feel that way? That your actions are necessary to get what you think you need? I can't surrender to Jesus right now. I have nobody to help me into the pool. No one around me cares. So i got to do it all on my own. 
See, the paralyzed man, he thought that the only source of healing that was available was in the pool. And we know that that's far from the truth, that our source of healing is in Jesus Christ. And Jesus comes face to face with him. He seeks him out, and he shows him that he's the only option for the healing. And we tend to make excuses that paralyze us. We take these issues that paralyze us, and we find a way to fix them on our own. Maybe, maybe your marriage is a wreck. Maybe you're having struggles like crazy. It paralyzes you. You can't do anything or think about anything else. Maybe one of your children is involved in a bunch of bad stuff and has fallen away from following Jesus. It paralyzes you, doesn't it? It's all you can think about. It affects the way that you uh, do your job. Maybe your job is what paralyzes you because the people at your work and leadership are making bad decisions and they're pulling you away from your, what your family believe in and, and where you draw the line and all those things. Maybe that's what paralyzes you. Just insert your thing right here. You know, uh, you know what it is that paralyzes you physically, emotionally, and spiritually. We know that. We're well aware. And so you are alone, it seems like. No one else is there to help you into the pool of healing. And that's what you're seeking. But what did we learn last week when we were talking about Jacob, right? He tried, he tried to fix things on his own. He was the ultimate fixer. He was all about himself. He was alone and felt like no one was able to help him in his situation. But God told Jesus, God told Jacob, and he's telling you today, I will be with you. That's what he told Jacob. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and 40 generations later that the Son of God came to earth through that same line. We believe that our answer, <clears throat> I believe our answer is an implied yes. Of course, we want to get well don't we? But I know this, I'm not always willing to make the changes that it takes to get well, because there's something that we need to do. We have to open, <clears throat> we got to be open to change in our heart, the way that we act, because all God wants is surrender and hand over our excuses, resting in knowing that he will be with us. It doesn't mean that all the bad stuff is just going to get erased. It doesn't mean that bad things won't happen, because they do. What he says is, I'll be with you, and I'll walk alongside it with you. Sometimes he'll carry us, if that's what it takes. The man at the pool, he was alone in this world. Even though the pool was, had a multitude of people around it, right? They weren't helping each other out. They were all in it for themselves. And Jesus seeks him out, literally. Stepping over all the people in the pool. They all needed healing. Every one of them were there on purpose, and they all needed healing. They all had something that, to be, that needed to be fixed in their body. And, you know, listen, um, they were looking for healing in the pool. That was their only focus. And the healer was walking right by them the entire time. Jesus could have just thought, be healed. The whole place would have cleared out. They would have been able to go about their way and been healed. And I don't know why he didn't do that, but he didn't. He comes and he seeks out this man 
who spent a lifetime in pain, who spent a lifetime full of excuses, relying on what he could accomplish. If you're paralyzed in that time, there were no uh, accommodations for that. So you could do nothing on your own. And he spent a lifetime, and he just gets asked the simplest question ever. Do you want to get well? Do you want to? Well, do you? Are you ready to surrender the things that paralyze you? Are you willing to stop with the hollow excuses and make changes in your life that are necessary? Because that surrender will change the way you see things and the way you do things, regardless of how that might make us look, the way people might judge us. Well, how are they giving that up? Maybe it's going to make a job change. Maybe it's going to make a, some kind of drastic uh, occurrence in your life because you're surrendering like this. But the great thing about your situation is you don't need anyone to help you in the pool. You don't have to try and fix it all on your own because you're not alone. You have God who's seeking you out, the God of the universe who spoke this world into existence, the one who sent his only son to die on the cross for you and me because of our sins and to be this ultimate sacrifice for us. He sent Jesus to encounter these people like the woman at the well and like Jacob, and like this man at the pool of Bethesda. He sent them, uh, he sent Jesus to encounter them uh, in all their different issues, to show us, to give us a snapshot, just a small peek of how life can be when we totally surrender to God. And he wants to come to face to face with you and me today. And I've told you this before, but everything that I say here. I say to myself all week long, I'm not just throwing down on you guys and excuses and the stuff that you go through because I'm not exempt. So I'm talking to me. I need to stop making my excuses. I need to stop and just be willing to make the changes that God wants me to make in my life and just hand things to him. He wants to come face to face with us today and provide the healing that only he can provide. To take and make your marriage whole again. To bring the child that was living in that bad situation back to Jesus. Back into your family. To stabilize the issues at your job that are causing you pain. He cares about that. And he wants to heal your heart from whatever is paralyzing you today. It seems to be an obvious answer. Do you want to get well? It's an excuseless answer, right? It's a choice that we make. And we have the opportunity to say yes, don't we? The man goes on and, and uh, he walks out. Jesus kind of disappears. He's so excited and, and, and moving around that Jesus kind of fades away into the background. But God was still with him through all that. The healing was not in the pool. And we look for healing in lots of spots, don't we? Maybe in relationships that we shouldn't be in. Maybe in alcohol. Maybe in drugs. Maybe just work that you pour into that so much that you can't stop. 
and you like the money that's coming in, and in the meantime, your family suffers. Whatever the case is, we look for healing in the pool, but Jesus is the healer, and that's who we need to surrender to today. If you could stand today, I just want to pray for you as we um, take off for our week, and uh, I hope that you think about this question. Do you want to get well? You got to want that. It's important. And know that healing's not in the pool, but it's in the blood of Jesus Christ. Let me pray for you today. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your son's example here on earth. As Jesus showed us how we should live, how we should act, how we should talk, how we should love each other. And Father, as we deal with the different things in our lives, and we all have something, that we don't look for healing in the pool, that we turn our eyes to you, that we understand that you are with us, that you want what's best for us, that you know what is best for us. And along with this surrender comes the need to change the behaviors, the things that we're doing that get, a, get in our way of following you. Lord, help us to be bold enough to make those choices, to change what we need to change, to surrender the things that we need to surrender to you. Lord, as we go this week and we spend time with family and friends and neighbors, having a good time on the holiday, we just ask that you will bless us, that you will send us, and everything that we do and say will be a reflection of what you are in our lives. That people will know who we love by the way that we follow. By, by, we'll know who we follow by the way that we love. And Lord, we give these things to you, these things that we deal with. And we say thank you for being with us. Bless us as we go in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. Have a great week. Have a safe week. And we will see you back next time, and we'll keep going face-to-face. Have a great day. God bless you all.